So we're going to read, if you want to turn with me to John chapter 10. Um, I'm going to read just a few verses from that. Uh, And this next I am immediately follows last week's. Last week's we looked at I am the door. um, And this kind of immediately follows on um, into the next I am. So I'm starting at verse 10. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep. When he sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock. And one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. It's a great portion of scripture and, you know, there's a crossover here from what we looked at last week to what we're looking at this week and I tried last week to not talk too much about shepherds, even though we were talking about sheep um, because I knew this week was coming and so I didn't want there to be too much overlap. But there's a crossover um, just as I read that scripture. We looked a bit at verse 10 last week as well, but in verse 10 it talks about a thief. There's a thief. It's talking about this thief that's circling the the sheep pen, trying to get in, trying to penetrate what what God is is protecting. And that thief has the sole purpose, as it says in verse 10, to steal, to kill and to destroy. So as God's sheep, as his flock, that's us. If you're unfamiliar with the metaphor or the picture that's being used here, we are God's sheep. We are his flock. And so we need to be mindful of this threat, of this thief. We need to be on guard from this very real threat that is ever present in our lives. And in Ephesians, it says that the enemy, this thief that's being talked about, the enemy has schemes. He's cunning. He's clever. He's actually thinking up plans. I don't believe that the devil uh, spends his energy attacking us as individuals, but he sends out his minions to do his work. And I believe that that, that he has schemes and that he he feeds them with ideas and with, with thoughts and with strategies to try and pull us away from God. If you've ever read uh, C.S. Lewis' Screwtape Letters, it's, it's a beautiful work of fiction that actually kind of uh, talks around this, this idea of, of demons going out there and trying to dissuade Christians, believers, from their faith. And it's, it's quite funny. It's written from the perspective of this kind of chief demon speaking to his underling who is working on this follower of Jesus. And he goes back to him in these letters saying, oh, I'm really struggling in this area because he's, he's strong in his faith at the moment. And then you kind of get the feeling that the, that the kind of senior demon, if you will, is, is, oh, well, why don't you try this angle? 
I know that, that humans are weak in this area, so why don't you just press on, on this pressure point? And, you know, he's using these schemes and these strategies. And while that's a work of fiction, it's based, I believe, very much on the realities of how the enemy works, how this thief works to try and do everything in his power to draw us away from God, to, to draw us away from the path and the purpose that he has for our lives, to pull us back into the darkness as we talked about a few weeks ago. But we can take comfort from what follows because Jesus then says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. There's a thief coming and an enemy prowling, but it's okay because we have a good shepherd. We have a good shepherd in Jesus and not just any shepherd, a good shepherd. And it's important that one word, it's really important that you grasp hold of that. He is a good shepherd and he'll lay down his life for us. He has laid down his life for us. Is that encouraging this morning? It's encouraging for me. And so by making this I am statement, I am the good shepherd, Jesus is once again declaring to the Pharisees and the Jews that are listening to him his divinity. He's making this declaration that says that he is the son of God. And so it, it kind of causes some tension, causes some friction, which we know Jesus likes to do. And, and so these Pharisees, these experts in uh, the law, in the Torah, they, they would have known and they would have picked up on the nuances of what Jesus was saying and the language that he was using. And perhaps some of the references that, that he uses, while we can get on board with the analogies of sheep and shepherds, we perhaps miss some of the detail of what it is that he's saying that actually the, the experts in the Old Testament would have picked up on. And so this idea of a shepherd, this picture, this metaphor, it's used throughout the Old Testament. It's used in the law, it's used in the Psalms, and it's used in the prophets. Just, just look at this for a moment. In the law, when uh, Jacob is blessing his sons in Genesis chapter 49, he refers to God as the mighty one of Jacob, the shepherd the stone of Israel. And that's actually the first reference in scripture of God as a shepherd. And then you move into the Psalms and in 20, Psalm 23, we touched on it last week and I'm going to look at it a bit more this week. It opens with the words, the Lord is my shepherd. We know it well, don't we? And then in the prophets, the prophet Zechariah speaks out the words in chapter 13, awake, O sword, against my shepherd. Against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord. And I love this one because these words are saying that this shepherd that's being spoken of, that's being prophesied by Zechariah, is both man and God. He's both man and God. It says, this man who stands next to me. In, other, in another translation, it says, the man who is my partner. And it speaks of a man who is equal to God. So is fully man and also fully God, and that is who we know as Jesus. And I just think it's beautiful that this was prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus was to land on the earth, and he was speaking out this, these words of this shepherd that was to come, who is both man and God. It's just incredible, these, these men of God who can just declare these words from him. And so when Jesus declared, I am the good shepherd, he's identifying himself with 
God, with the God of the Old Testament, the prophesied human equal, the divine son of God. And so the religious leaders and the people he was speaking to, they would have got this. They would have understood what he was saying when he described himself as the good shepherd. They would have known and they would have remembered these words that were written years before. And that would have been what got them kind of flared up and worked up because how dare this man declare and proclaim and state that he is the son of God. How very dare he? And yet, just to clarify things further, he doesn't just refer to himself as the shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. And that's important because earlier in Zechariah, as he's, he's prophesied about the shepherd, but earlier in, uh, in the book, if you read it, he talks about another shepherd. He prophesies of another shepherd. And this shepherd is the foolish or the worthless shepherd. In Zechariah eleven seventeen, it says, What sorrow awaits this worthless shepherd who abandons his flock? This worthless shepherd. Does that remind you of anything? As I, as I read those words this week, uh, it reminded me of what we spoke on last week, of these Pharisees who, who saw themselves as a door because they had a flock. They had uh, sheep who were underneath them as shepherds, if you like. But they weren't the good shepherd. They were shepherds. But when they heard, if you remember from last week, about this man, this member of their flock, when he was, he, was, uh, he was blind from birth and then he was healed, instead of celebrating this moment, instead of rejoicing in this moment, it says they cast him out. They cast him out. They'd had enough. They didn't believe him. They rejected him. Out of Israel, excommunicated him from the Jewish nation. And to me, that sounds like a worthless shepherd. It doesn't sound like a good shepherd, does it? Because a good shepherd would see this incredible thing that's happened and rejoice and celebrate and have a party for this guy because something amazing has happened through the power of God. And yet instead, he, they hear that this man has been healed. This miraculous thing has happened and instead of celebrating, they cast him out. They abandon him like the worthless shepherd that was prophesied. In the language that it uses in John chapter 10, it talks about a hired hand, a hired hand who, who doesn't own the sheep and flees when trouble comes. He doesn't own the sheep, he flees when trouble comes. And that sounds like to me the worthless shepherd, a foolish shepherd who doesn't care for his sheep. But Jesus is no hired hand. He's no worthless shepherd. And we know he will not run away when dangers come, when challenges come. The Bible tells us that he'll lay down his life to protect us, to save us, to keep us from harm and to give us life. He is the good shepherd. And so this morning, I'm just going to take some time to look at just three benefits that can come from having a good shepherd. And what we're going to do is we're going to parallel John chapter 10 and the verses that we've read with Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, because there's some beautiful synergy here um, with this picture of God, of Jesus as a shepherd. And so the first benefit of having a good shepherd is direction. Everyone say direction, so I know you're awake. Good. The shepherd leads and guides his sheep. 
The shepherd leads and guides the sheep. The shepherd tells the sheep when to go. He tells the sheep when to stay. He tells the sheep when to sleep, when to eat. The sheep follow the shepherd. But why is it that sheep need direction? Why do they need a shepherd to give them direction? Well, we talked about it a little bit last week, didn't we? That actually sheep are a little bit dumb. They're a little bit stupid. And in in case you missed the encouragement that came last week, we are those sheep. We are those dumb, foolish, stupid sheep. In fact, sheep aren't just stupid, they're stubborn too. Who can relate to these sheep? (laughs) They're stupid and they're stubborn. And that is a dangerous, dangerous combination right there. But in this beautiful metaphor that Jesus is using, he tells us there's a thief. He tells us that there is an enemy, the devil, sin that comes into our lives. But there is a shepherd. But there is a good shepherd. And he gives us direction. He shows us the way to go. He doesn't just tell us which way to go. He leads in the way that we should go. And so we are the sheep. And just like sheep, we need a shepherd to give us direction, to show us which way it is that we should go, to lead us, to guide us, to direct us. Because without a shepherd, without a good shepherd giving us direction, leading us in the way that we should go, we'll find ourselves wandering off the path and onto the beaten track. And we'll find ourselves drifting back into the darkness from where Jesus has saved us from. Without a good shepherd giving us direction, we will end up in a place of death and darkness and desperation. We find ourselves moving and living under the power of sin and listening to our flesh instead of listening to his spirit. We need a good shepherd in our lives, giving us direction. So let's look at this in parallel to Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's beautiful synergy here, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another translation says, I have all that I need. We have everything that we need in the person of Jesus. We have everything that we need in Jesus to fulfill what we are being called to do. Now, we might not have the the fancy car or the big house or the perfect family or the dream job, but we have everything that we need in Jesus. So if you're ever doubting, if you're ever coveting after something else. I think that's one of the sins that perhaps we don't talk about very often, but for me, it's one that I struggle with. I think in this society we live in, where you're seeing Instagram perfection and you're looking at these people living out these amazing lives and you're thinking, oh my gosh, wouldn't that be amazing? We've heard that Joanne's on holiday in Singapore. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? And we're thinking, oh, I would love to do that. But we don't need that. We have everything that we need 
in Jesus. We have everything that we need to walk in the plans and in the purpose that God has for our lives. We've got the skill. We've got the the wisdom. We've got the giftings. We've got the resource in order to be able to do what God has called us to do. And that's all that matters. The stuff that we might want, the holidays, the fancy things, the the pretty clothes, whatever it might be, none of that really matters. We've got everything that we need in Jesus. We lack nothing. And so when we're following the shepherd, when we're allowing him to direct us, it says he leads us along paths of righteousness. He leads us along paths of righteousness. You know, you aren't here this morning because you woke up and thought, I should probably go to church, shouldn't I? And I'm not here today in this church because 10, 12 years ago, when Ruth and I were church shopping, which is how we call it, we walked into this building and thought, oh, this has got decent, lively worship and a large contingent of South African people. We should settle here. That is not why we are here. That's not why you are here. You are here because the good shepherd guided you here. He directed you here. You are here right now for a purpose because he chose for you to be here. He led you here and you followed. And that's a great testimony to your life. So don't question your purpose because you are here right now because you followed God. You allowed the good shepherd to direct direct your paths onto paths of righteousness. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. And so if my steps are ordered by the shepherd, then there's no pressure on me. I love that. If if I'm allowing God to lead me and to direct me, then there's no pressure on me. You just feel that, just lift off just a minute. Let that sink in right now. If you're allowing God to lead you and direct you in your life, in your family, in your career, in your day-to-day life, with your friends, with your family. If you're allowing God to direct you in that, there's no pressure. We don't need to strive. We don't need to perform. We don't need to be or do anything. None of the pressure's on us. All of the pressure is on God. And I don't know about you, but I think he can handle it. I think he can handle that pressure. All we need to do is follow. All we need to do is allow the good shepherd to direct us. So the good shepherd gives us direction and he also gives us correction. Everyone say correction. That's perhaps a less exciting word for us to talk about. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't know, maybe you feel like this morning you're walking through a valley. You're in a valley season of your life, whatever that may look like. But I want to encourage you right now, if this is what you need to hear, don't stop in the valley. Keep on walking until you come out the other side. Because the valley is not a place to rest. 
The valley is not a place to pause or to stop. The valley is not a place to to get married. It's not a place to settle down. It's not a place to build a life for yourself. The valley is a journey to get to your actual destination. So don't stop in the valley. Keep on keeping on and get out the other side. Because when you break through the valley into the other side, that is where God is leading you to. That is where God is directing you. And what I love about this verse in Psalm 23 is that it doesn't say that the shepherd leads me around the valley, does it? It says that even though I walk through the valley, even though I walk through the valley, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. He's not saying, that's a pretty nasty situation ahead, but on the other side is something great. So I just want you to just go through there. I'll see you on the other side, yeah? He's not, I mean, he could. He could just go, right, I'm there. Maybe wave at us from the other side. But he's, he goes through it with us. He goes through it with us. Every step that we take through that challenging situation, every moment that we face where we're coming up against brick wall after brick wall, challenge after challenge, tribulation after tribulation, he is with us all the way. I love that he's not leading us on another path. He's not taking us necessarily on the easy path to avoid the valley, but he's not deserting us either. He's not deserting us either. He is with us. And then it goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I love this, and I've definitely mentioned this before when I've preached in the past, but the importance of the rod and the staff are massive. They are absolutely huge. They are so significant. And a shepherd's staff, it it was tall and it had a hook on the end. And that is a beautiful, if slightly scary picture of what correction can look like because the shepherd would use that staff to hook it round the neck of a sheep and yank it back to him. When the shepherd sees that its sheep are wandering off, they're going the wrong way, they're heading towards danger, he'd hook that rod around its neck and yank him back and say, this is where you need to be. This is where you need to be. It's, a, it's used for and it's a picture of correction. And this picture of a staff, it's not a totally pleasant picture if you just maybe just picture yourself. We've described ourselves as sheep this morning. And so let's just get into that moment. I'm not going to ask you to bleat, but just you are sheep this morning and God is our shepherd and he has a rod. And so he's seeing you when you wander off the path. And so he's going to grab you around the neck with his rod and yank you back into his plans and onto his path. And that is not a pleasant picture, is it? Because I can imagine that hurts a little bit. It probably hurts a little bit. Even just now, it's making me think, oh, that is going to hurt. But that pain, when he pulls you back, it doesn't last forever. It just lasts for a moment. That pain, it might hurt. It might be really bad, but it just happens for a moment. And ultimately, it's God bringing you back to where you need to be. It's God bringing you back to his plans, to his purpose, to his presence. So it might hurt for a moment, this picture of correction, but he's bringing you back in line with his will, with his purpose, the perfect place to be. 
You know, God calls us to do certain things, doesn't he? And, and sometimes we're really obedient when he calls us to do things. But sometimes we question him, or at least I do. We question him, we, we doubt him, we, we've, we come up with other ideas that he might want to do instead. And we say, actually, you know, maybe we could do this thing instead of that thing because it doesn't sound too great. Or maybe we even run in the opposite direction. Last week, the kids were learning about Jonah in Sunday school, and he was a man who ran in the opposite direction. God gave him a, a task to do. He said, I want you to go and preach the good news to this city. And he was like, heck no. And he sprinted as fast as he could in the other direction. But Jesus, being the good shepherd, corrected him. He hooked him round the neck, or in his case, swallowed him in a fish and yanked him back to where he needed to be, spitting him out onto the ground after three days and saying, you were wrong to do that. This was uncomfortable for a moment in the fish, but now you're back in my will. Now you're back on my path. Try again. Try again. And we know that he went on and did what God called him to do. You know, you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. You might want to, want, you might want to know all of the details. I'm a details person. I like to know the plan. Ruth sometimes gets really annoyed, particularly when we're making plans with her sisters because they are always last minute with their plans. I'm like, I just want to know what we're doing. Where are we going? When are we going to get there for? So I can just prepare. I don't need to know. I just want to know so I can get my head in gear. We want to know the details. But you don't have to know all the details of God's plan in order to walk in obedience. All you need to do is follow him. All you need to do is trust him. All we need to know is that Jesus is our shepherd. He is our good shepherd and he is leading us into a life of abundance and not away from it. So a good shepherd gives direction, he gives us correction, and finally he gives us protection. Let me hear you. Protection. So the shepherd's staff was for correction, but the rod that it talks about in Psalm 23, that was for protection. This rod was the, the shepherd's weapon against any enemies that would try to attack his sheep. It was a, a weapon against predators, against the wolf, against the thief, against the robber that he could use to attack, to defend, to protect. And Jesus is our good shepherd. And he's not just directing us and he's not just correcting us, but he's also protecting us from the enemy. Look at this as we read further on in Psalm 23. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He prepares a table for us. And I don't know about you, but for me, the dinner, the dinner table is a place of rest. It's a place of joy. And so being surrounded by our enemies, being surrounded by difficulties, being surrounded by challenges takes away that sense of peace and rest and joy. 
Have you ever seen those snake charmers that they sit on their rug and they cross their legs and they play their little pipe music and out of the basket comes this cobra and they just stare eye to eye at this cobra. No fear in their eyes, no, no kind of worry. They're not shaking, they're just confident, staring eye to eye to this predator, to this enemy, to this threat. And I think it either looks cool or it looks incredibly foolish to be coming face to face with such a deadly enemy. You know, the venom from one cobra bite is enough to kill 20 people. These are not tame creatures. These are deadly creatures. So it might look brave for them to be coming face to face with this enemy and looking calm and looking restful and looking peaceful. The truth is, the reality is that that enemy can do no harm because the trick is that they've pulled out the fangs from this cobra and they've sewn its mouth shut. And so they've made this deadly creature into something that can no longer do any harm. And so it looks really brave as they're staring into the face of this swaying cobra But they can have the boldness and the confidence to sit in the presence of their enemies because it's no longer a threat to them anymore. And that's a beautiful picture for me of what our good shepherd has done for us, of what Jesus has done for us. Because there is an enemy, a very real enemy. And it says here that he's prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. We are looking at our enemy face to face. Every day when we step out of, when we wake up, when we step out of our homes, when we go to work, when we meet, we're facing our enemy, face to face, looking into the eyes of our enemy. But we can do that with boldness and we can do that with courage because our God has broken out the fangs of our enemy. Our God has sewn the mouth shut of our enemy. It can do us no harm anymore. So it might feel, when we read this picture of a a dinner table in the presence of our enemies, it might seem like a really scary situation to be and not restful or peaceful or joyful at all. But the reality is that there is no danger because that enemy can do us no harm. We are safe. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? You know, death has no power over us because Jesus conquered death. And so when we follow him, his, his promise is protection forever, for all eternity. He has done it. We are safe and we are secure. <clears throat> and so as I close this morning, there's, there's just another theme that runs throughout this chapter that I think is really key. In, and so I just want to touch on it just for a moment Because it's great to sit here and to look at the benefits that that come from having a good shepherd and, and what that can look like for us. And we have a good shepherd in Jesus. We we know that we have a good shepherd. We sing about it, we hear about it. He is our good shepherd. But what good is it if we don't know him? What good is the declaration that I am the good shepherd if we don't know the good shepherd? What good is that to us if we don't follow the good shepherd? What good is that to us if we don't hear the voice, if we don't recognize the voice of our good shepherd? 
And so that thought flows through John chapter 10, if you read it. Verse 4, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and they know me. Verse 27, my sheep, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. In order to benefit from our good shepherd, in order to experience the direction and the correction and the protection of Jesus, we need to know him. We need to know him more. We need to recognize his voice and we need to follow him wherever he is calling us to go. You all know that I'm a firm believer in the benefits of life groups and I'm excited that we're launching again this week and I would encourage you, if you're not already, to plug into a life group because it's great to meet together on a Sunday like this. The Bible talks about not neglecting to meet together but as well as that, I think life groups, they just go that little bit deeper. They allow us to really dig into and learn more about who God is. They help us to follow him more. They give us the space and the freedom to, to learn to hear his voice. And it's great because we get to begin to see him move in other people's lives. We get to hear stories and testimonies of God's goodness. We, get to, we have the privilege of being able to pray for one another, pray with one another. You know, I believe that as we spend time together in smaller groups of believers, we can learn from each other. We can get glimpses more of God's character and we can get to know him better and we can grow in our ability to hear from him. It's so important that we allow ourselves the space and the freedom to hear from him because he speaks in so many different ways, doesn't he? Sometimes we're waiting to hear this audible, booming voice of God, but that doesn't really happen. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the nudging of his spirit. He speaks to us through other believers. He speaks to us through visions, <coughs> through visions and through dreams. He can speak to us in so many different ways. We just need to allow him the space to speak to us. It's so easy to pray and just to pray words and just splurge words at God. But it's taken the time and the space to sit in his presence and say nothing and just wait on him and hear what he has to say to us. He loves you. He loves you so much. Like the good shepherd, he lays down his life for you. And I love that it says in that scripture towards the end that he had the choice. He didn't have to lay down his life for us. He chose to do it. He chose to die for you and for me so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. It's amazing, isn't it? Why don't we pray? Yeah, God, we just thank you so much for your goodness. And we thank you for this declaration that you are the good shepherd. Not a foolish or a worthless shepherd who deserts us at even the glimpse of challenge or struggle, but actually a good shepherd who will walk through the valley with us, who will lay down his life for us. 
And so God, we just thank you that you made this declaration. And I pray that each and every one of us here this morning and everyone listening to us online, that actually we would recognize that you are our shepherd and that we would follow you faithfully, trusting in your goodness, trusting that you have got good plans for us, that you have got life for us, an abundant life. So I pray that we will follow you, that we will allow you to direct our lives. And when we stray from the path as we inevitably will do, when we begin to walk to the wrong path, we begin to turn our backs on you through, uh, through the pull of temptation into sin in our lives, that you would correct us, that you would, you would pull us back onto your path, that you would bring us back in line with you, that God, you would, you would bring us back into your will. And God, I thank you that you protect us. That you are with us through it all and that you protect us from the enemy. Your word says that there is no temptation that we can't overcome with you. And so we pray now for more of your spirit in our lives, that we would know more of your presence around us as we exit this building and continue on with our lives, whatever that looks like when temptations come, that we would stand on your promises, that you protect us, that you are with us, that you are for us and that we wouldn't stray. But that where the enemy has schemes and strategies, that you would give us strategies to deal with that. That you would show us how we can overcome our weaknesses and overcome those things that, that seek to pull us away from your path. And so God, we just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name.